The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The amazing account from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, this doctor who went into such great detail of the details of the surroundings of the birth of Christ, but yet at the same time somehow took the opportunity to summarize the whole thing in just a few short verses. I love Luke's account of the birth of Christ. I love how he sets it up, how he sets the stage with what was going on in culture and what was going on in the world during that time. And how he gives so many details of what the shepherds were feeling, that fear that they would have sensed, how the angels tried to bring that fear to a close and tried to, to capture that. And those amazing words, fear not. And I don't know about you, but... This is a year that we need to hear fear not more than any other time, maybe in our lives. 
I love Luke 2, but there was a period of my life I didn't like Luke 2 too much. It was because we had a particular tradition in my house growing up. I have a sister who's three years younger than me. And the tradition in our house was um, that we would do Christmas presents on, on a Sunday, or Sunday morning, on Christmas morning. How many of you do morning Christmas presents? You guys do morning Christmas presents? You at home, how many of you, you can raise your hand, all right? So uh, some of you do Sunday, uh, uh, Christmas Eve, some of you do Christmas morning. We did Christmas morning, but as soon as my sister and I could, um, we had this tradition that my parents thought was a great idea that we had to stand on the fireplace, my sister and I, and we had to read the Luke 2 from the King James Version of the Bible before we could open Christmas presents. And so there's a period of time in my life when I heard those words, I was like, oh, I don't want to hear those words again. I came to like it over time, but there was one year in particular, and I can't remember how old I was. And I'm pretty sure that all the photos have been destroyed of this, but I happened to be the donkey in the Christmas pageant in my school that year. You know, the donkey that's shaggy and brown. And I had the shaggy and brown costume to go along with it. And my parents thought it would be a great idea for me to recite and read from Luke chapter 2 in the King James with the shaggy and brown donkey costume on. An all-time low in my life. <laughs> So those words sometimes bring up some memories for me that are very interesting. But I love those words now. Because they capture the world and what the world was doing at that time was anticipating a solution to their problems. It was excruciating. Life was excruciating during that day and age. Nations were striving to be the nation in control. People groups were trying to overtake whoever was in control of that day and age. And the 400 years that existed between the end of the Old Testament and when Jesus came, it's almost hard to count how many different nations were in control of the world. And it was world control, world domination that kind of was the desire of every people group. And when Jesus came onto the scene, it was excruciating for God's people because the Roman Empire was on the rise. And they ruled with a, a strong, strong fist. They ruled with great authority. We even see it at the beginning of Luke's account here where people had to go back to their homes and register. The world was turned upside down. There was trouble beyond trouble beyond trouble. And in particular, God's people and God-fearing people of the first century knew that they needed someone to save them. And there was this great anticipation that somehow they would be removed from the trouble or that the trouble might be removed from them. There was a great anticipation of what God might do, what someone might do, and you can understand why God's people during that day and age thought that God would send the Messiah, a king. That was the way they pictured it. That was how they anticipated that God would provide. In their world, they couldn't see any other way that the world could be righted other than a king. They couldn't imagine any other avenue for salvation other than royalty. 
They couldn't perceive of any other possibility of rescue than a conquering warrior king. Someone who would come in and save them. The world needed saving and the world eagerly awaited the first coming of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas is that first coming of God's son, the Messiah. But God chose to do something different than what the world anticipated. They thought that they needed one thing, but God knew that they needed another. You see, God knew that the political unrest that existed in that day and age, he understood that the root cause of that political unrest was sin. He understood that disease and famine that existed during that day and age existed because of the result of sin. He understood that the fear, the dread that people had because of what was going on in the world, he understood that it existed because of sin. And so he chose to send a baby to save the world. Man, what a shock and what a surprise. But I want you to think for a moment about the world back then and think about the world now. It's not too dissimilar, is it? It's not too different today than what it was back then. God sent a baby into this world to save the world. Think about that for a moment. That here we are over 2,000 years later and we still come together and we celebrate this around the world. He sent a baby. The prophet Isaiah gave us some indication of his first and his second coming, his first arrival and his second arrival. Check this out in Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7. Some of you will know these words by heart. Some of the, for, for some of you, it'll be maybe the first time you really understood or, or heard them. Isaiah prophesied this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The closest thing that Isaiah got to that king was the Prince of Peace. <laughs> but not the king of the world, not the ruler of all things, not the conquering warrior king that they expected. Verse 7 says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The prophet Isaiah in that moment was prophesying during a period of time when God's people um, were, were far from God. They had disobeyed him. They were unfaithful to him. And in Isaiah chapter 40, we see the, the whole tone of everything begin to change because God's people return to God and he, he talks about comfort. And then we get to Isaiah chapter 53, which I want to read tonight, verses 1 through 6. And there's more of this prophecy of this coming Messiah who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form, listen to this, he had no form 
or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him, this Messiah that was coming. Think about this for a moment. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, said these words in verse 3. Check this out. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the Messiah, the iniquity. That means sin of us all. Hundreds of years before Jesus even came into this world, the prophet Isaiah predicted his birth, his arrival, but he also prophesied and, and told the world that one day he would be pierced, not for political purposes, not to reign, but to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus, in his arrival as a child, as a baby, grown up to be a man and to serve, to live for 33 years, to serve the world for three of those years and before those three years, before his actual ministry started, he was serving the world. He always humbly served the world. Jesus came to show us how to serve others. In a world that was wildly troubled, in a world that was turned upside down, Jesus didn't come with, with this you know, uh, ongoing message of, the, of politics and, and, and how to unite, although he did unite. He came and he served the world. The world was looking for a political leader, and he simply served. And I want to pause for a moment and say to you who are watching uh, online, maybe live or maybe later, or those of you who are here in the house, church in the middle of crisis, that's our job too. That's our job too. It's to serve the world. It's to serve those around us. It's to serve those who don't look like us. That's what Jesus did. It's to serve those who don't act like us. That's what Jesus did. It's to serve those who are least. That's what Jesus did over and over and over again. He came and he showed us what it means to serve others. The world doesn't need to hear one more person saying how they're right and you're wrong. The world needs to see us serve. That's what Jesus did. Jesus came to show us how to serve others, but he didn't stop there. He suffered a very painful death for us. I, I realize it's hard to think about the cross on Christmas, isn't it? It's hard to think about the cross on Christmas. 
But I want you to think for a moment about the fact that he was, he was born in a barn that had a wooden stable. Now, some people think it was carved out of a rock. That's possible. We, we've got this picture in our minds that it was a, 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 wooden, uh, a wooden trough, if you will. And then years later, he was taken and he, he was beaten and he was nailed to a cross, a wooden cross. And he chose to suffer a very painful death for us. And while it's hard to think about that on Christmas, that's not something that we dwell on. That's the whole reason that God sent him into this world. It's the whole reason why we celebrate Christmas is because of Easter. As he died on that cross, he suffered. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. See, Jesus came on a mission. He came on a mission to serve others. He came on a mission to to suffer a very painful death for us. But Jesus' sacrifice made ultimate redemption possible for everyone. He made it possible for everyone. The angels announced it when they announced it to the shepherds. To this, this one who came to save the world, he came to save everyone from their sins. See, I want to stop here for a moment because in a, in a year like 2020, I realize some of you are watching online, those of you who are here in the house, I, I realize it's been a very, very difficult year, hasn't it? It's okay to admit that. I mean, it's been the most difficult year of most of our lives. We're all tired. We're exhausted. I love the video we just saw a few minutes ago. There's so much peace and truth there. We're all tired. We're all worn out. And we all think that, like, someone is going to have the answer to our problems, whether it's the problem of of COVID-19 or whether it's the problem of racism, which we saw in such close proximity right here in our country this year, how deeply divided we are politically. And we want a solution to our problems, and we often think that it's going to be some kind of of leader. But I want you to know that the root of all of those issues that we have, it all comes back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. It all comes back to sin. And Jesus tells us that as each day goes by, that the world that was ready for his arrival back then that we celebrate at Christmas is getting ready for a second arrival. And I realize some of you are like, hey, that freaked me out, dude. Come on, Todd. 2020 has been weird enough, man. Let's just keep it real. Let's just talk about Christmas and Jesus' birth, all right? But Jesus himself said this in Luke chapter 21. Think about these words for a moment. Think about these words for a moment. In light of recent events, verses 25 through 28, Jesus says this. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. I wouldn't do that. And on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. We've experienced that around here in recent years, haven't we? People fainting with fear 
Again, I'm not making this up. This is from God's word, the Bible. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of heaven will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, Jesus says, not Todd, straighten up, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And when we read about that, when you hear me say it, I, I promise you, our viewership online just went down by a few people. All right. <laughs> Some of you are like, all right, when can I get out of here? What time is it? Is he going to be done soon? Yes. But I want to tell you first that Jesus is saying this because it's true. That every day that goes by, we're one day closer to his second coming. That's what we've been looking at over the past month at Hilton Head Island Community Church. We've been looking at his first arrival, but looking forward to his second arrival. And here's the thing. The problem, the reason we look at our watches, the problem is when we hear this kind of stuff, we tune out. The problem is, is that we, like the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, we have fear. We're overwhelmed by fear. But I want you to hear tonight. On Christmas Eve 2020, in the most weird year ever, that we have no reason to fear because these things are going to take place and because God sent his son Jesus to this earth to die for our sins. And if we put our faith and our trust in him, we have no reason to fear whatsoever about the future. We may have trouble. We are going to have trouble, but we do not fear. You see, the world is preparing for the second arrival of Jesus. Those are just the facts. But we don't need to fear. But we do need to be ready. We do need to be ready. When Jesus says now, when these things take place in verse 28, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near, he is saying, be ready. He says over and over again, you don't need to figure out the day and the time. We like to do that part. We're like, oh, man, there was this cool Bethlehem star. Like, I mean, I'm surprised we're all here, you know. Like, I mean, there's all the moons, and we get the charts out, and those are great and fun. But Jesus said, don't worry about that. He said, be ready. Allow him to solve your greatest problem and my greatest problem, and that is still the problem of sin. It's still the problem of sin. Tomorrow morning, most of you raised your hand, I think, on the tomorrow morning exchanging gifts, right? Tomorrow morning, or maybe tonight, you'll exchange gifts. Some of you have put a lot of thought into the gifts that you've given to your family. Others, eh, maybe not so much, but some of you are like, how late is Walmart open tonight? Anyway, so <laughs> tomorrow we will exchange gifts. Tonight we'll exchange gifts. But the reason that we do that on Christmas is because God gave us the gift of salvation. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Rome, the church in Rome, there were Christians in Rome that stood up against, to the, uh, against the Roman Empire and they met together in some cases when they weren't supposed to meet together. And he was writing a letter to the church in Rome and he said this in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why we exchange gifts at Christmas. It's not because Hallmark came up with the idea, or Toys R Us, or Jeff Bezos. <laughs> we do it because God gave us the greatest gift of eternal life.
in the death and the burial and the resurrection of his son that he sent at Christmas as a baby. And I want you to think about that tonight when you exchange gifts. I want you to think about that tomorrow as you exchange gifts. I want you to think about the fact that the reason why we do it is because of that verse. Because God gave us the gift of eternal life. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting or eternal life. And tonight... On Christmas Eve 2020, I want you to know that the world is not much different than it was back when Jesus came the first time. It's not. But neither are we. Neither is the human condition. Yes, the world needs to be more unified, and that should be part of the goal. We talk a lot about that here at this church. We need to be a part of unifying people together. We need to be more peaceful. We need to strive for peace. We need to strive for resolution to the world's problems. We do need strong leaders that will, will lead us. But the greatest problem that we face and the root of all the problems that we face in the world is still the problem of sin. It is the thing that separates you from God. And my question tonight, on this night, of all years, of all nights, of all years, is are you ready for his return? Are you ready for his return? We don't know when that's going to happen. He says it'll happen like a thief in the night. It'll happen in the blink of an eye, he says, when he returns. And my prayer, my appeal, my invitation, and my challenge tonight is please, if you can't answer that question with yes, my appeal to you, my invitation is don't let another night, don't let another Christmas go by without being sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're ready for his return. We prepare our lives for everything, don't we? We prepare for Christmas morning. Man, I bet all of your refrigerators are stocked up. And you're ready to go tomorrow morning, right? The presents are under the tree, minus a few that will be at Walmart tonight. I'll see you there. <laughs> you're ready for your vacations. Car's packed. You're ready for Grandma to come into town. She's got a room set aside for her. We prepare for weddings, we prepare for meals, we prepare for parties, we prepare for retirement, we prepare for college, we prepare for our careers, but why in the world would we miss preparing for eternity? Are you ready? Are you ready for his return? My prayer is that if you're not, that tonight would be the night, that today would be the day, that this Christmas Eve would be the time where you give your life to him would you pray with me tonight whether you're here in this room or whether you're listening live at home or online maybe later I'm just going to ask you to bow your head for a moment and, and pray with me and here in a moment I'm going to give those of you the opportunity those of you who said no to that question the opportunity to be able to without a shadow of a doubt say yes 
Father, I thank you so much for your love. God, I thank you that when we gather together tonight and tomorrow morning around that Christmas tree, we are celebrating the fact that you broke the silence of the night and came down to earth. You chose to solve the world's problems through your son, through a child, a baby, humble and ready to serve ready to suffer, and ready to be that sacrifice that we needed. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to take away the sins of the world. And God, admittedly, I'm just going to admit for a moment that it has been a difficult year. We don't understand all that's going on. But Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus for those who are within the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that they would be able to say, yes, I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready for eternity. And if not, I pray that, they, that tonight would be the night of their salvation. That today would be the day that they prepare, not for a temporary place, but for all of eternity. So if you're here in this room or if you're listening or watching at home, I want to encourage you. If you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, if you want to make sure that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die or when Jesus comes again, whichever comes first, that you have a home with God in heaven for eternity. I'm just going to ask you to consider putting your faith in him and believing in him to be your savior. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. It's a prayer of salvation. You don't have to pray it out loud, but if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior tonight, I want to invite you to pray this prayer to God, just genuine, simple, in your heart. There's nothing magical about the words. It's really what you are communicating to God in your heart that matters. I'm going to pray it out loud, and I want to ask you and invite you to pray it to Him right now. It's a prayer that goes like this. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die. For me. And tonight I admit that I have sin. And tonight I choose to believe and put my trust in you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Tonight I accept your free gift of salvation and eternal life in Jesus. If you pray that prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, if you prayed that prayer along with me, um, I'm not going to embarrass you, but would you just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer? Awesome. awesome. Keep it up for just a second. I want to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. If you're at home or you're in this room, you can put your hands down. If you're at home or you're in this room and you prayed that prayer tonight, we want to know about it. If you're here in the house, you can go talk to, to Matt back at our connections uh, desk. You can talk to one of our pastors. If you're watching or listening online, please let us know through an email or direct message. Father, I thank you for those who said yes to you, God. Father, I thank you that there are more people right now than there were just a few minutes ago who are ready for your return. And Father, I pray that you 
would lead us and guide us in this very difficult season for humanity, in this very divided world of ours. Father, would you be the one that leads us? Would you be the one that guides us? God, you came as a baby so long ago, and we thank you so much for that. You broke that silent night by sending your son into this world, and we give you praise for that. We thank you for that silent night, and we thank you for what you did on that night. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said.